standing on the brake and the gas. QE and QT. And Drux View. Well, that's a mouthful, but this is the next episode of No Disclaimers. And if you like, please subscribe, pass along, and hopefully this one will make a little sense after we give a little reason as to why this topic should be discussed. So, I was watching or saw a quick two and a half minute snippet of Stanley Druckenmiller at a CNBC conference where he brought up these statistics and made a couple of observations that I thought were really, really interesting. First off, I guess, who's Stanley Druckenmiller? Stanley Druckenmiller is just a legend in the investment community. He was one of the partners going way back to Tiger Asset Management, working with George Soros in the late 80s and early 90s. He has a family office now, so he does not have any interest in making outlandish statements or anything. He manages his own money. One of his big premises, though, was to find out where the flow is, the flow of liquidity. And that would kind of drive his investment decisions, his big picture investment decisions down to the micro level. So when Druck talks, as he's called Druck, we should listen. And he had some really, really interesting data and an observation. So that's the kind of why we get to this topic. So now let's talk about the nuts and bolts. QE, quantitative easing, and QT, quantitative tightening. QE, what is it? Technically, it's when the Federal Reserve creates money and increases liquidity into the banking system, right? It was a policy tool enacted by the Fed in 2008 in response to the great financial crisis, most of that led by real estate, and that the real estate market was kind of, and the mortgage market in particular, was frozen. So by creating this money out of thin air, they basically threw this liquidity and reserves into the banking system to help those things clear and to hopefully incentivize lending from the banks in order to keep the real estate and mortgage markets functioning. So it was never supposed to be a primary tool. It was supposed to be just an emergency and used only once. You know, basically it's a government program, so therefore it became a primary tool and has been for a really long time. So it's basically increasing liquidity into the system. QT, quantitative tightening, is exactly the opposite. It's when the Federal Reserve's balance sheet basically reduces. It's when bonds that they've purchased to send that liquidity into the banking system mature and they don't replace them. So it, in effect, takes liquidity out of the system and in the impact is to slow the economy, right? So you don't know a lot about it because we haven't really done it all that much. They've been doing QE since 2008 almost nonstop, except for a couple of years, 2015, 17, sometime in that time frame, until recently, okay? So why is this important? Inflation, you know, that thing that the Fed and Congress and the Treasury said wouldn't happen, did happen. Then they said it would be transitory, temporary, it's your fault for hoarding. It's the company's fault for being greedy. It's the energy companies. And then it's Putin's fault. Everybody's fault, but the place that printed 40% of all dollars ever created in an 18-month window like the Federal Reserve and then Congress allowed, right? That's the actual definition of inflation. But I digress. So they're fighting inflation. There's two ways to actually fight inflation that the Fed has. One, it needs to it raise rates. And it has done that since April. Waited way too long, but they have done that since April. And they have gone from zero to about 4% per 
basically at their last meeting in a little over six months. That's actually pretty rapid. That's a fast pace. However, those rate hikes actually typically take about 12 to 18 months to be fully felt in the economy. So we haven't even felt the impact of those yet. Some have, right? If you have a floating rate loan of any type in some companies and so forth, you have felt that. And, and mortgage rates have moved up. But again, there's a lag as all this works through the system. Companies have to refi. People maybe look to move or look to refi themselves because they have something maturing, some type of loan. So that's why there's a lag. Okay. The other way is to fight inflation is a tool is QT, quantitative tightening. And that's more direct. That happens more real time. Because of the vagaries of how their balance sheet is set up and mortgage-backed securities, actually QT didn't start until August. And since then, there's been about $300 billion that has rolled off their balance sheet or has come out of the system as a reduction in liquidity. So what Stanley Druckenmiller pointed out was something a little crazy, in my opinion. So there's another piece over on the other side that no one's looking at, and that is the U.S. Treasury. U.S. Treasury has a checking account, basically, and that checking account is where taxes come in, fees come in, and where they pay out to you know, vendors and to us on tax refunds and things like that. So that checking account is actually quite large, or it's gotten quite large, especially after the great financial crisis and also now COVID response. But that usually runs between four and $500 billion. That balance as of April was about a trillion dollars, actually. And when that balance moves up and down, it has a similar impact to QE and QT, right? Not done by the Fed in this case, but by the executive branch out of the treasury. So when that balance, think about it, goes up in that treasury account, that means you and I or others are paying taxes and money's coming out of the economy and into the treasury. So that's a form of QT with air quotes, right? That's liquidity coming out of the system. On the flip side, if that balance goes down, then basically they're doing, air quotes, QE, because that money's going out into the systems, being paid out to vendors, to taxpayers, to whoever, right? Now, the Treasury had a trillion dollar balance as of April. That balance, as of, it's the end of October, was 550 billion. So in a time where the Fed has raised rates to 4%, and there's a lag on that, so we haven't really felt that yet. And they have done QT, tightening, of about $300 billion. The U.S. Treasury has actually stimulated by about $450 billion. So the Fed is standing on the brake, and the Treasury is standing on the gas. That explains a lot about what we've seen since the summer. All this chop back and forth about liquidity and about the markets and somehow that the Fed's going to pivot. What Stanley Druckenmiller and what we are pointing out is we have yet to truly feel the impact of true liquidity declining because the balance that in that treasury account is kind of at a spot where it can't really go lower and we're past the midterms, not to be cynical or anything. But his comment in the interview was that we have not felt true liquidity drain and that he can't see 
how during 2023, we do not enter into a recession and one that may be a little deeper than most. And the main reason is because this liquidity is truly going to start impacting. This this drain of liquidity and tightening of financial conditions is truly going to start impacting. So it's an interesting time. We've got two sides of the government doing two different things, saying two different things, and but we're coming to the end of the road. And we're not going to be able to drive a car, it's a bad idea anyway, to have your foot on the gas and your foot on the brake at the same time. So got some difficulties ahead. We have some liquidity likely to continue to come out of the system and financial conditions to tighten. So we'll be ready. We'll try to do the best that we can and be prepared for this. In the next episode, we'll take a look at some other kind of strategies for looking at the future. And then I know we have a long form coming out with Kim Penzone and Kathy Quinn that we're excited about. So thanks for listening. If you liked it, again, subscribe and share. And thanks for listening to No Disclaimers.